certainly is a grace unto itself. Uh, that was uh, maybe I don't need to do this message today. That's completed with that beautiful, wonderful story of grace. Well, today is the day that we remember those who have fought a good fight and yet have fallen. But their ultimate victory lives through us and generation after generation. Each day is the day we remember the good fight that Jesus fought, and yet he was crucified. His victory of resurrection was our victory. So we're continuing our series on growing in grace. Growing grace is about fighting a good fight. Not just once, not just twice. It's the challenges. It's a step up that uh, Pastor Ben talked about last week. You need to step up. When you step up, it's all about fighting a good fight. When I was young, say in the high school days, I didn't really know the meaning of sanctification. It was like a word that didn't resonate with me. And it is adults using big words in the church. I was not interested in the word sanctification. So I went to some class, and they were teaching, they're trying to teach these high school students the, the uh, essence about sanctification. And this teacher, pastor, brought out this theological uh, paragraph from some textbook and trying to explain it. He says, no, thank you. I'm not interested because <laughs> I'm not there yet. So I was very distant from trying to understand the word sanctification. Do you know the meaning of the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? It's one of the longest words. The reason why I bring this one is like when I came to the stage, age, age 12, 13, 14, all the kids are saying these words, and I couldn't say it. First of all, I couldn't remember. I, it was tongue twister. It was long, and they were saying, well, there's a Mary Poppy show. They're talking about this all the time. They're singing about it all the time. And uh, I keep asking, what does that mean? What does that mean? They keep just saying the same thing, super califragilistic, expialidocious. What does that mean? I found out it was really simple. It means excellent. Ever seen Michael Fox, uh, the episode back 20, 30 years ago? Every time something good happens, you say, excellent. I guess today, what do you say today instead of excellent? I think like, I'm down or something like that, right? But as things are changing, but that big, huge word was very common. But it's really no nonsense. It's like nonsense expression of saying it's cool, it's good, that kind of thing. Today, I became a little wiser, older. So if a supercalifragilistic expialidocious means excellent, they can relate to each other. What does sanctification mean? You know what sanctification means in simple terms? It's saying growing up or grow up. It is really the process of getting better, refinement, mature, purification, and it's just continuing process. In other words, sanctification means growing in grace. That's exactly what it means. If you have a hard time understanding the big words, forget that and just say growing in grace is what sanctification is all about. In fact, this is our series. Today, I believe, is our fifth um, 
time we're speaking on this topic. So growing grace is letting grace shine through us. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about I received cologne. I kept it in my closet, never opened it. What good is it if a cologne cannot see the daylight? As I was greeting today, someone mentioned, oh, you smell pretty good. I was using the cologne. See, when the clone goes out, when it emanates its fragrance, then it's doing its job. That's growing, emanating, showing the essence of cologne. What God desires us is for us to shine and show the grace that he has given us. To do that, we need to grow in grace. Growing in grace is a work of the Holy Spirit making us holier each and every time we step up. Growing in grace is growing to be like Christ. Growing in grace is when you fall, we rise again. That's basically what it means to growing in grace. Now let's look at the chart that we've been looking at. It. It's a very important chart. And you start from the bottom left. Do you know who Christ was? You don't understand. And you come to church, you talk to some of your believing friends. Yeah, yeah, I think I get it. I'm going to just receive Christ. I want to really follow him. And then they say, awesome, let's get baptized like we did today. And it says, you are now saved. And that's what we call salvation. It's a free gift. In Ephesians Chapter 2, it clearly says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is a gift of God. Now, up to this point, it was kind of simple. We didn't have to really step up. We didn't have to really try hard. Just say, yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense that Christ died for my sins, that I can start a new life again. I receive him, that's when you are in that big red bubble. Unfortunately, most of us stop there. I don't know exactly when I was, I can identify myself with the red. Well, I, got, I was infant baptized, perhaps I was there. Maybe at high school, I declared that I am a God, Jesus is my believer. Maybe that was the time. But you know, from high school, college, adult life, I haven't grown. Because to me, salvation, free gift, was it. I got my ticket. That's all I need. I didn't do anything. I just lived in a very uh, much in line with secular world. But as you study the text, it's all about growing with grace that we have received. What are you going to do with it? And as for me, as you know, through my hardship with my heart, that's when I learned I need to grow. I cannot always stay as baby, or if I'm and from baby, then I become a child and then adolescent and become adult. That's the process I need to go through. And I realized it. So the, today's text, once again, is Second Peter 
3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and the days of eternity. Amen. Now, how do we then understand this growing part? Okay, I got saved. I've been baptized. Okay, I see that guy. I see that gal got baptized today. So he or she received Christ. So what is he or she going to do? People are going to watch. How is your life going to be changed? And that chart that I was talking about earlier is the part that God desires us to go on and step up and um, fight the good fight. Now, think of the, uh, this process something like this. Think of it as like a seed and a tree. Seed becoming a tree. Seed must be buried and die, and then it germinates and turns into trees and then bears fruits. Seed goes into a series of transformation process. A new sprout, a stem that becomes a trunk, giving off branches, bearing leaves to receive sunshine, flowers, and bearing fruits. God desires us to ultimately continue to grow and to bear fruits. All trees, all plants go through this every year. Budding, bearing, and then what? They fall. They lose their beauty, the leaves that make them one whole. They go into state of dormancy during the winter. And then in the spring, they need to do it all over again. They start from budding, become a branch, to making a bigger trunk and bearing uh, leaves and then, and then uh, fruits. And then they all fall. And they do it again. There's a, a lesson to be learned. There's quite a lesson to be learned from this natural process that God had made or created. After salvation, our life is the exact same thing as a seed germinating and ultimately bearing fruits and then dying again. And we fall, we come back down. We are like tree. We bud, we grow, we bear, but then we face winter. We cannot avoid this. We lose our charm. We become naked, just like winter trees. We too go into dark season, cold winter season, when things don't make any sense as to why things are happening, you begin to question God once again. You were praising Him and glory, uh, giving all the glory to God when you're up there and you fall, you're back down to the baby stage and you question God as to why are you doing this to me? And the, start, the process starts again and again. But what God is looking for in us through this process, 
is to, for us to grow in faith, which is grow in grace. That the greater things are yet to come. And if you bear it, if you go through one year, one step-up process, one second struggle, when you go through this, what happens to the trees? They go through the same thing again. And each and every year, their trunk gets bigger, the branch gets more and taller, more leaves. And each year, they bear more fruits. Each year, their trunk, the tree becomes stronger and higher. So where are you in your journey in growing in grace? Are you in the stage of germinating? Are you just in the beginning stage? Well, in the beginning stage, you're going to need lots of water and nutrition of the earth. In other words, you need lots of caring. You can't hardly walk. You need someone else to carry it for you. Right now, I have two small groups that I'm running. One is sort of like in germinating state. The other might be a little bit, a couple feet tall with some branches. Or are you in the stage of a branching out? When you branch out, you still need the water, you need a good nutrition of earth. And you need what? A lot of sunshine. You know, are you in a bearing stage? Still need lots of care. It requires pruning if you want to bear more and more fruits. Nutrition, you can look at it, and nutrition and, and water is like, as we grow in grace, it's like the Word of God. Trees need water and nutrition. We need words of God. We need to be fed all along the way. Without it, we will choke up. We will go dry. Sunshine, trees need sunshine to grow. What is the sunshine to us? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit that hovers around us. We've got to let that light, let that spirit to guide us, to give us hope and the power to go on. What about fruits? Fruits are the victories in Christ in our lives. Whether it's small, whether it's big. When we experience this victory, we can now then say, excellent. Or now you can say, super, cali, fragilistic, expialidocious, which means excellent or you should really say, praise the Lord. And yet, here's the essence for today's talk. And yet, our life is not always like that, is it? We fall. We slip back. I don't know why that, 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 that the line that takes us to adulthood of growing 
Grace is so slippery. Just, we keep coming back down to the, the baby stage. We have lots of ups and downs in our lives. And as to why God made us to go up and down all the time. Like I said, tree goes through that every year, up and down. Spring, they bud. Summer, they blossom. With the flowers and leaves, autumn, they bear fruits. And then they face winter. They become naked. They lose everything. All the leaves, all their charms and beauty. Aren't we like that? Where are you right now? Are you in summer, spring, fall? Are you in winter? Yes, we have our ups and downs. One season, we are so excited to serve and participate. And the next season, we stay dormant. We don't even want to come out to church. We don't, even want, we don't even, even want to open up this Bible. Trees go through that season after season, year after year, up and down. But as long as they stay with water, nutrition, and sunshine, they grow bigger, stronger, and they bear more fruits. What God desires from us is exactly the same. He said, I have given you the water, the Holy Spirit, the sunshine, the Holy Spirit. I have given you all the nutrition, the Word of God. As long as we stay in the Word, in the Holy Spirit, we will grow in grace and we will grow in faith. So that our trunk, our faith trunk is so strong and so big that we can endure any challenges. But we need to understand as to why we fall. If we want to minimize falling, slipping back down, we need to understand why we fall. What causes us to fall, slip down? Just as God says, love your neighbors as yourself, we fall most of the time, 99% of the time, I like to say, because of somebody else. Because, we, because of deceptions and because of the temptation. Be careful when someone tells you, did you hear about this? Be careful when someone say, did he really say that? That's deception at work. That's when we fall. That's when we slip. The devil is on the move whenever you hear the phrase, did he, did she really say that? Did you hear about this? You know, how Satan got to Adam and Eve. Oh, they got them good. They have fallen. And many of us, as we read the Genesis, says, yeah, if 
we were in that garden, I would have never fallen that stupid Adam and Eve. I would have never fallen. Everything was perfect. He gave us only one command. How can we mess that one up? But you know, the truth is that we fall like Adam and Eve every day. All the time. Now, when we fall, we have to pay the consequences. There's no way around it. Now, Satan comes to us how and when. Comes to us when we are vulnerable, when we are weak, when Satan thinks we are easily persuadable. Are you easily persuaded? Well, there's one godly man in the Bible cannot be persuaded. That's his name is Job. He could not be persuaded. Therefore, he was not vulnerable. He kept his faith. He was briefly discouraged when he heard the news that he lost everything, including his seven children, but he did not fall. His faith was strong. Why do I bring this one up? Let's go back to Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve, they have fallen. Let's examine this. That's why they have fallen and Job has not fallen. Here's the question. Between the two, Adam and Eve, in your opinion, who was more vulnerable and persuasible? Was it Adam or was that Eve? Well, we need to look at the scripture. To who and when did God said not to eat of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? To who and when? It's very important. We may think that God probably sat down both of them, husband and wife, wife, Adam and Eve. Thou shalt not eat that fruit from that tree. That's what we probably most of us would think. That's not how it happened. Let's look at how it happened in the scripture. Scripture has everything has a reason to it. In the Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7. 7 comes before 17. You understand that, right? And 17 comes before verse 22. So, verse 7, God created Adam. Then what did God do? Verse 17, God said to Adam, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam says, fine, I got it. I heard you directly. It's registered. There's no written form at that time. What God says is almost ingrained in Adam's heart. It's like having a Bible for us. Because he, God spoke to him directly. Well, after that time, Eve was not even born. Verse 22, then God created Eve. Do you see something here? Who has to do what here? Someone 
had to teach the spouse about what God told them with a conviction. So here's the fall. So Genesis, next chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, here's Satan on the move, trying to make us fall. Satan says to Eve, did God really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? Satan is twisting the word in two different places here. One is, really? Did he really say that? Well, Satan knows. God clearly said it. But the next phrase, again, for the second time, he twists what God said. He says, did he really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? You know that was not true. God says you can eat from any fruit except that one. Satan is on the move, bringing about deception so that we could fall. Adam and Eve were in high place. They grew in grace. They were like in adult, way at the top. They got everything. They were almost blameless at that, at that point. They were perfect being. But they fell all the way down. That's how Satan tricks us, deceives us. So what Satan do is when you are weak, when you're vulnerable, that's when he attacks. What is interesting is Satan did not go after Adam, went after Eve. I think Satan did not go after Adam asking this question because Adam had a certain authority, because Adam received word directly. Eve, on the other hand, did not receive the word directly, perhaps a little bit more vulnerable. Satan did not want to trick Adam. Instead, Satan went on to someone whom he thought was more vulnerable. Going back to Job, did Satan attack? Did Satan try to persuade Job about losing everything? No. Satan was actually maybe not afraid. He knew it's not going to work. Because Job was blameless, according to the Bible. He had authority of the Word of God, the power and the presence of God. Satan knew he could not persuade Job. So what did Satan do? He went directly to God. And he made a deal with God. Will you let me, getting a permission, strike your son, Job, and see what happens? Here's the point. Today, we are all vulnerable. That's how and that's why we fall. Adam and Eve have fallen. 
winter came to them, they became naked, and they paid the price. But what is amazing about the core and the essence of grace in which we, upon we are to grow is that God would use the fallen Adam and Eve to create this mankind. That through them, Adam and Eve, God would give birth to Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, David, and Jesus, and now us. God will use fallen Adam and Eve to bring about all these godly men and women, including Jesus. What that means is that even though you may have fallen, God will use you. All he desires is for you to climb back up because you have already been called the children of God. All we got to do is begin to climb, begin to grow in grace. That's the key. God has so much, so much love, so much compassionate. His purpose is simply to bring home. He desired us to grow in grace. So let's hear from our friend, John O., high school student, as to how God has saved him and is helping him to grow in grace. Um, um, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is John, and um, I've been talking about grace for the past couple of weeks. And I'm just here to say how much the church and youth group means to me and how grateful I am for all of it's done for me. Uh, my whole life, I was, um, I was given an image of who God was supposed to be. And only now I know who, who, who he really is. And through his message, I've grown more mature, wise, and generally more thankful. I received grace last year and was baptized, and I understand that grace comes by faith alone. And since then, I've been growing. I've been growing with the people of this church, friends and teachers. They helped me to know Jesus more and more. I have changed. I know I need to grow more day by day. I am, I'm still growing in grace, and for that I'm thankful. And I'm also thankful for all the people who um, contributed to the youth group because everything they've done is um, it's paid off. And one day, very soon, more soon than I like it to be, I'll look back and um, think about this church and its fantastic people and what I've learned from them. And no matter what situation I'm in, I'll always remember the experiences I had to make my decisions. And I can't stress how grateful I am for God for introducing me to this lovely, firmly growing community. Thank you. Okay. I cannot say that when I was 
his age, John Yoon's age, that I have grown that much in grace. But thank you so much for that. Let me read the second Peter 3:18 one more time, but grow in the grace. Our role, our job, our purpose in life, as long as we live here, is to grow in grace. Yes, we can uh, pursue our higher calling for um, certain ministry or profession, jobs or schools. Our purpose in life is to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To grow in grace does not mean gaining more grace from God. Let me say one more time. To grow in grace does not mean gaining more grace from God. God's grace never increases. It's infinite. It cannot be more. And according to the nature of God, it could not even be less. Grace is constant. It's always there. So growing in grace is a process of going up and down. And each time we go down, we have a courage to climb back up. Growing in grace is to understand what Jesus has done for us. That no matter what happens, we see grace by appreciating what Jesus has done that we can keep on climbing back, never giving up in him. Psalm 20, 37, 23 says, If the Lord delights in the man's way, making an effort, trying to grow in grace, if the Lord delights in the man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, though we mess up, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear when you fall. I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So to grow in grace is to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and having that intimate relationship with him continuously receiving his words, the Holy Spirit, and at the same time experiencing his victory through our lives.